It is Tuesday, March 26th, and welcome to this week's Eye on the Triangle. I'm DeAndre Jones. And I'm Jake Langlois, and we thank you for tuning in. Tonight we'll be focusing the first half of our show on the student elections, which open today at noon and run through tomorrow. We spoke with some of the candidates for president and gauged how the Wolfpack is feeling about all the recent political activity here on campus. In addition, Andrew Eichen spoke with a member of the Hells of Poppin' Travelin' Circus, which will be performing at the Poor House tomorrow night in downtown Raleigh. In addition, DeAndre delves a little bit into the bizarre story of a drug-smuggling UNC professor. It's a tale full of lust, deception, and cocaine. That plus a new restaurant of the week and a movie review, it's going to be a good show. Stay tuned. But first, Jasmine Shepard has the weather for us. Jasmine? Thanks, Jake. And good evening, Wolfpack. I hope you are all having a wonderful day and enjoyed those sunny skies. If you're outside right now, you're probably feeling a little chilly with the temperatures being in the high 40s. Tonight, we're looking at a low of 33 and a 10% chance of rain, so be prepared for that. Tomorrow, the high will be 53 degrees and the low will be 33. If you're planning any outdoor activities tomorrow, be on the lookout for mostly sunny skies and a 0% chance of rain. Thursday, we will kick off the spring holiday with a high of 56 degrees and sunny skies. No chance of rain is in the forecast, but bundle up and expect the temperature to drop to the low 30s during the late evening. Friday, we will start the weekend off right with a high of 59 degrees and a low of 37. Sunny skies are in the forecast for Friday as well, so get excited for that. Saturday, we'll be feeling a high of 61 degrees and a low of 45. Partly cloudy skies are expected as well as a 10% chance of rain, so keep those umbrellas by your side. And finally, Sunday, we'll end the weekend with a few showers and a high of 62. The low is expected to be right around 51 degrees. And that's all for the Weather Wolf Pack, and have a great week. Thanks, Jasmine. And now we turn to Andrew for the latest in the news. Andrew. Thanks, DeAndre. The Supreme Court heard arguments on gay marriage today while considering the constitutionality of California's Proposition 8 gay marriage ban. No ruling is expected to be made until June, but in overturning the law, the court would also be invalidating the 1996 Defense of Marriage Act, which forbids the federal recognition of gay marriage. President Obama has named the first woman head of the Secret Service. Julia Pearson, the former Secret Service chief of staff, will replace Mark Sullivan, the current head. And the Supreme Command of the North Korean military issued the statement today that it will, quote, will put on the highest alert all the field artillery units, including strategic rocket units and the long-range artillery units, which are assigned to strike bases of the U.S. imperialist aggressor troops in the U.S. mainland and on Hawaii and Guam and other operational zone in the Pacific, as well as the enemy targets in South Korea and its vicinity. Pentagon spokesman Lieutenant Jack Miller responded by saying the U.S. is fully capable of defending ourselves and our allies against attack. And that's the news. Thank you for that, Andrew. Take any political election, and you're likely to find some amount of violations of, co- or of code or conduct, and our school election is no different. Here's DeAndre Jones. With spring comes the loud, comforting yells of student body campaigners, bricks littered with flyers, and a general cluttered scene around the campus. All this is necessary, though, as we go through the process of electing our campus's new leaders for next year. We here at Eye on the Triangle are huge fans of the democratic process and recognize that the majority of our listeners are indeed students of state. This means that these elections affect you personally. But did you know that all three candidates for student body president have committed one or more campaign violations already? Since then, most of the violations have been appealed effectively. However, I still think that it is necessary to share this with the public. More information about this and the election as a whole can be found on students.ncsu.edu forward slash vote. Candidate Lauren Collier, the current Union Activities Board president, failed to file her expense report that was due on Monday on time, according to the Elections Commission. 
Candidate Matthew Williams, chair of the Traditions Committee, used student government resources, i.e. a campaign button maker, without permission. This is also against the rules according to student government statutes. Dwayne O'Rear, another candidate, filed a late expense report as well and was accused of fraudulently using the website source code from the 2012 campaign of current student body president Andy Walsh. The Election Commission cleared student body president candidates Dwayne O'Rear and Matthew Williams of all the appealed campaign violations in a hearing last Thursday evening. However, the commission did issue both candidates warnings. My reason for telling you all this is that it is important for you as students to be aware of what your rights are. If you see people campaigning inside of your residence halls or too close to the dining areas, don't be afraid to contact student government to report. We want a clean race here at NC State. This has been my viewpoint for this week, and for Eye of the Triangle, this has been DeAndre Jones. Gene Zernov recently had the chance to speak with one of the students currently running for president of the student body. Matthew Williams dropped by to speak with Gene about the election and what he would do if elected student body president. Hey guys, I hope you are getting pumped for the student body president elections. And I'm sitting here today with Matthew Williams, one of the candidates. Thank you so much for taking your time and coming in to talk with me today. No problem. Thank you for having me today. Let's get right into it. A lot of students on campus aren't keeping up with the election. They don't think that it'll affect them and they don't really think it matters. But how do you reach out to these kinds of voters? How do you make people care? I think it's all about talking to those voters. You have to get out there, and their elements are most likely not going to be the ones who are on the student government website, who are not on Facebook, looking at you and trying to check out the website. So it's all about getting out there in the brickyard and talking to people. And not only that, but it's a culture problem with NC State student government. Not a lot of people really understand what we do, how student government really affects them in their everyday life. So I think what we really have to do is work to change that, work to let everyone know and improve that communication, what student government is up to, what we're doing all the time, how we're working for students every single day. So I think we got to change how people see student government and just reaching out to people in the brickyard and dining halls and everything. We can't campaign in dining halls and things like that, but if elected, that's one thing that we have to change is just how student government reaches out to all students. Yeah, that's a great way to reach out to people. Just start at the fundamental person-to-person level. Exactly. And one of your platforms was an increased communication between the student body and student government. We really do need to close that gap to make the communication work better. Exactly. Um, Students, honestly, we just are not in the know on a lot of issues, and that's a real problem here at NC State. The administrators really want to work with students and have a student's first mentality, but they don't do the best job in effectively communicating those messages out to students. So one thing that we really want to do, and is one of my major platform points, is creating a universal website here on campus If you go to the ncsu.edu website and click on current students, the current administration has done a really good job in trying to change that around to not just be a website for prospective students and for our donors to look at this is what it's like to be a current student here on NC State. They're they're turning it around to what it is to be a current student here at NC State. So what we want to do is keep up-to-date blogs. We want to do student features 
and organization features and make it so all the information that students need to know is on that website. Pretty much turn it into an ncsu.edu like homepage, but for current students. Would there be interaction with the technician, KNC, just different student media organizations? Definitely. We would have to do that because I think that's another problem. We don't work together as well as we should because we just don't reach out to one another. We talked about it in my research team of maybe possibly doing just a little column in the technician every once in a while. This is my first time actually in the studio, but it'd be awesome to come more often if elected student body president, just to do some little interviews. And one thing that we really want to do is start Wolfpack Weekly updates. We're trying to get a little innovative here and not just have an email or have a blog post, but a minute and 30 second video with me and someone else, it doesn't matter who, just quickly dishing out the facts of what's going on here in NC State, like a weekly wrap up and a what's to come here at NC State. Like a state of the union. Yeah, exactly. State and <laughs> exactly. Okay. A weekly state of the union. Yeah, I like it. In your opinion, what is the most important thing you stand for in this election? If you could choose one platform to be 100% behind and to just let the student body know, I'm Matthew Williams, this is what I stand for. It's what I plan to give to you as your president. What would it be? My platform is all about students first and increasing communication. I feel it's too often, especially these days, that we're finding out information from Twitter and from Facebook and having to wait sometimes even a couple of days to have an official university response. And it shouldn't be like that. We are tuition-paying students. This is our university. We should never feel like we're out of the loop on any issue and that's something that I really want to change and that I really stand for is making sure students are always in the know. Yes. Uh, going off of that, one of my favorite things about your campaign is that you advocate for transparency in student fees. So when I go to my PAC portal and it says general student fees on my bill, will that be broken down into exactly what the money is going towards? That's something that was a problem this year and that they're working towards and Hopefully it won't continue to be a problem, but in just in my head looking at the bill, I don't see it changing on the bill per se, but some things that we could do is on that universal website list, this is where your fees are going. Around campus have like little placards or little marks like your student fee paid for this, or even just have that one spot online where you can go to see where everything is, to see how much money goes towards this, to see, oh, that's what that fee's for because yeah, it is a problem. I look at my when I look at my bill as well, it's just like, all right, this technology fee, what exactly is it going towards? So I mean, we definitely need to have a spot where all of that stuff is listed out. And I think it'd be awesome to have those visuals around campus of just your fee paid for this. And I think they're actually working towards that now. And because it's been a problem and they've tried to fix it this year, but it's definitely something I would stand for next year just to make sure that students know where exactly their money is going. Yeah, that's a great idea. I mean, nobody likes paying student fees, especially exactly. when you don't know where all of that money is exactly. going. Right? The thing is, not that people would be gung-ho about paying their student fees if they know where they're going, but I mean, you'd feel a little bit better with just, okay, that's where that's going, or... I should have access to that. My student fee is paying for it. Yeah, it's not just disappearing into thin air. No, exactly. All the money I'm giving to the university. <laughs> exactly. Will there be any noticeable policy changes to the student body when you become president? 
I don't know how active student government is. I don't know how tangible the changes are to the general student body mm-hmm. when you pass yeah. a motion. Yeah. But you worked really closely with Andy Walsh this year. So will everything just keep on sailing smoothly? Pretty much. A lot of the changes that are happening around campus are departmental changes. And just some things are condensing. Some departments are being moved around here or there. But as far as all students are concerned, everything is pretty much staying the same. The policy changes that are happening are more with administrators and titles are changing and things like that. But as a whole, there won't be any major policy changes if elected under my presidency. And even if some came up, we would make sure to communicate that. And actually, as I'm talking, the one policy change that will come up, if I'm not mistaken, will be the drop ad policy. It won't happen in the fall, but the year after that, when the drop ad policy goes from however many months that it is now, it's actually going to a 10-day policy where you have 10 days to drop or add a class. And that's something that's going to happen. I apologize for not being 100% knowledgeable about when it's going to happen, but that's something that's coming up, and we have to start as soon as possible letting students know that this is going to change. It's something that we've definitely enjoyed for the past couple years of really being able to decide if that class is right for you. But that's going to be a major change to happen, and I'm not exactly sure when it is going to happen, but under my presidency, students, all students would know. We would make sure to reach out to every outlet as possible to make sure students know when policy changes are going to happen. Before I let you go, we have one question left. And in your opinion, what makes you stand out from the other candidates? Why should the Wolfpack vote for you? little hard question, but just being me, I'm going to have to say it's my communication skills and just my love for the Wolfpack. I love this school with literally all my heart. I've said it multiple times on the campaign trail. I bleed Wolfpack red, and I really want students to always be first, and I'm going to work extremely hard to make sure that students are always first, and I just love this school so much and wouldn't... Just the words. I just love NC State, and I'm able to really talk to people, and I think that people find comfort in talking to me and that they I'm approachable. So that's that's pretty much it. I got the communication skills, and with an undying love for NC State, you can't go wrong. I just wanted to thank you again for taking your time to come in and inform us about your platform and about where you stand as a candidate. I wish you all the very best of luck in the election. Thanks again. It's been really great having you here today. Cool. Thank you for having me. This is awesome. Okay, Pac. So now you know a little more about Matthew Williams, and I hope that you are more informed to go out and vote for your next student body president. This has been Gene Jernup for WKNC Raleigh. We reached out to Lauren Collier and Dwayne O'Rear for interviews as well, but they did not grant us our request. Now we were curious about how you and the Wolfpack thought about all this campaigning on campus recently. Do you love it? Glad it's over? How invested are you? We went to find out.
Triangle. I'm Jake Langlois. reminder to everybody out there you have until noon tomorrow to vote so if you haven't yet you can vote at vote.ncsu.edu it's quick easy and takes about 30 seconds we'll be right back so stick around we've got more on the way Triangle, the Hells of Pop and Circus will be making a stop tomorrow night at the Poor House in downtown Raleigh. Andrew recently had the opportunity to speak with Bryce, the governor, Grays, about just what the the hell the Hells of Pop and Circus is. What is Hells of Pop and Circus Sideshow Review? Well, Hells of Pop and Circus Sideshow Review is a conglomeration of uh, independent artists that have uh, come together uh, from literally all over the world. Uh, we feature uh, sword swallowers, fire eaters, contortionists, acrobats, even break dancers. Um, we uh, will be featuring uh, um, a young man named Trixta from Hollywood, California, and um, he is uh, in the top 20 of the uh, world's best break dancers, and he's an acrobat. And uh, we have Boobzilla, uh, who is a, um, a young lady from Oklahoma City who does some pretty amazing things. You can see some really great video of her on our website, um, hellsapoppin.com. And what she, what you'll see her do, um, well, what she's known for is, is uh, as a boob routine, she has um, a, um, a disease called, help me out here, Brazil, how's it go? Gigantomastias. I'm sorry, gigantomastia. And uh, it's, um, it's a condition where her, her breasts uh, literally do not stop growing until she's like um, 50, 60 years old. And, um, but what she does is she takes her giant breast and she will break bricks with them. And she's also a world-famous sword swallower. She's been on Ripley's twice, and she's been um, at, uh, on Jerry Springer as well. And... Um, You'll also see another world-famous sword swallower. Uh, in, in the world today, there's only 15 female sword swallowers that are registered. And you'll see two of them uh, the same night that we play there at the Poor House in Raleigh. Um, you'll see Chelsea No Pants. Um, she's a very famous underground, kind of a punk rock style circuit sideshow performer from New Orleans. And uh, she'll be walking barefoot on glass. Um, she'll be walking up a ladder of razor-sharp machetes, and uh, she'll be eating boards and all sorts of other things like that. Um, you'll also see myself, Bryce the Governor Graves, uh, doing all kinds of crazy stuff. I take a screwdriver and I shove it in the center of my skull. I then drill it out with a uh, five-inch drill bit, 
and I'll eat glass and I'll breathe fire. And um, we have Mr. Buggles, and Mr. Buggles is a uh, is a little French bulldog. He is our uh, our essentially he's our tour mascot, uh, but he's a pretty famous circus dog. And uh, but you'll see all kinds of things. It's an hour and a half show of just intense nonstop mayhem. I have to say that sounds incredible. So you guys are like like a real uh, like how circus sideshows used to be. You guys come from all over the world. And Absolutely, uh, this is a traditional. Well, it, I would say that it's a traditional sideshow circus with modern day influences. Um, what I've done is I've I've turned everything around. Um, I used to have an old authentic circus sideshow that I was a part of, um, and. We started to doing a lot of rock tours, and we, I was touring with Ozzy Osbourne for about two years, and I couldn't get the the response that I was looking for uh, with the with the current show the way it was. So I ended up leaving that show, starting Hell's a Pop, and making it more of a rock and roll freak show. And um, we've actually combined, uh, you know, kind of a freak show, sideshow, and variety show all in one, um, because it's not just circus sideshows. Um, like I said, we have an acrobat and a break dancer and, and other uh, things that aren't commonly uh, in a sideshow, but it's a modern-day sideshow uh, based on traditional things. And we, we do a lot of the old traditional stunts like the sword swallowing, the bed of nails, walking on broken glass, all those types of things. And But we, we do it to um, a lot of hard rock music. Uh, we open with, like, Pantera um, and... Uh, you know, um, every all the performers in the show—they're kind of like the rock stars of the social world, if you will. You, you had said you had started out touring with uh, Ozzy Osbourne, but even before then, how did you like discover these talents? How does someone become a like a <laughs> a freak show well, member? It's, it's you know, everybody. I guess everybody uh, discovers it differently. Me personally. Um, I used to manage rock bands uh, for 12 years, and I managed TV personalities, and I even had a TV show called Rock On, and it was a rock and roll TV show. Um, and I started managing a freak show back in 2004 with my management company, and uh, just over a period of time working with you know, artists in the world, uh, I just started picking up the talents myself and never really expected to actually perform. Um, I was always the behind-the-scenes guy. And Poppin, um, I was looking for someone to MC the uh, the show, and I was looking for something specific, and I couldn't find it. And we we were we were already booked in Scandinavia. It was our first tour as Hell's a Poppin, and that was actually um, on a uh, Scandinavian tour. And I'm trying to remember who was on that first tour. It was like Marilyn Manson and Ramstein and a bunch of other incredible artists and. My first show uh, that I had ever done, you know, I was actually traveling over in a plane. I was sitting next to Zamora the Torture King, and I'm like, what am I going to do about this? Because, you know, I created the show, and it wasn't even three months after I created it. We were already on tour. And I had the cast together, and I'd seen a show, you know, my old show, a million times. And uh, I was like, you're going to have to do it yourself. And, you know, never having any experience on stage, just off stage, knowing what I was looking for, I got up there and just did what the best I could, and it turned out I was actually pretty good at it. So I just continued working towards that, and then, you know, I wanted to kind of expand the MCing a little bit and started learning a lot of the stunts myself. Just after years of studying it, 
you know, watching other sideshow performers, I figured it out myself. Um, and, um, you know, but all the performers, they all, they, they all come from, like I said, different realms of the world and they have different stories and they everybody has complete different personalities, you know, um, but, uh, it's actually very fascinating. I mean, you can kind of get an idea of what it's like with that TV show and, um, uh, what, what channel is Freak Show on? AMC. Yeah, there's um, uh, some friends of ours have a TV show. It's a reality show, um, and it's all based on the Vintage Beats Freak Show. And um, but you can kind of get an idea of of what it's like behind the scenes. You know, I mean, we're we're a much different show. I mean, they're they're very traditional uh, type of show, and um, uh, where we're more of a modern type rock and roll freak show. You know. So, um, you guys don't like travel in tents and, you know, wagons and stuff, right? You guys? <laughs> no, we, we do travel. Uh, so it, it, it's different every time we uh, go out on tour. Every tour is different. Um, I've been focusing more on rock and roll tours. Um, I personally have toured with, um, with Oz, uh, Ozfest uh, for two years. I toured with Corn and Deftones, and I toured with um, um, Mud. Black Label Society. I do a lot of metal tours, and since we're kind of the rock and roll metal show, and um, but we even opened up for Bob Dylan uh, in Scandinavia this last year, <laughs> and um, uh, that was pretty amazing. I mean, there was uh, about sixty thousand people there, and it was kind of funny. Journey went on, then held a pop, so it was um, pretty amazing experience. And um, but we we travel differently all the time. I mean, we sometimes we travel in a bus, and we, we play nightclubs, and sometimes we play festivals, and sometimes we play private parties and rock tours, and then sometimes we we play in venues, and sometimes we set up a circuit. And what it is for to do, you know, rock and roll. Shows. Um, I'm all about circuits and the bands and things like that. All that stuff is a lot of fun, but I, I prefer more of a rock and roll show. And I, you know, I think that if you come out. Um, this Wednesday, which is March 27th, at uh, the Poor House in Raleigh there, uh, you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. I like to get right up close and personal with people because there are a lot of skeptics out there that like they think sword swallowing glasses fake. They think it's all fake. And we're there to show them that it's all 100%. We will confound and confuse you, amaze and amuse you with everybody's abilities. Um, and, and just a very random and weird things you know um but you know we um but going back on your question i mean we we do all different types of tours and it's different every year and every year it just seems like we keep upping our ourselves and uh, the different types of shows that we do and the caliber shows that we do and um but yeah it's a lot of fun you know we get to experience and do a lot of things that rock stars do you know and so we kind of live the same lifestyle it's a lot of fun that way um, I'm sure you're asked this all the time, but I don't suppose you could let us in on any of those secrets like sword swallowing or walking on broken glass, could you? You know, there, there's actually no secrets. Um, and, and again, you know, when you come out and see the show, you'll see exactly what I'm talking about because it's just a matter of training. It's, it's no, it's, honestly, it's, it's similar to learn, picking up a guitar and learning how to play guitar. You, you're still going to have to train and you're going to have to practice every day. And, with, for instance, with sword swallowing, um, it's a matter of training your gag reflexes. And uh, your body, you have gag reflexes all the way down your esophagus. And 
you know, me personally, when I first started training with boards, um, I used a coat hanger, and I just stretched a coat hanger long and straight in the shape of a sword. And this way, I could go and I could touch the first gag reflex. And, of course, you're wanting to puke your brains out. And you just keep doing it over and over and over again for days and days and days and sometimes months. And then you next gag reflex. And eventually, because it's essentially just a muscle, and so you eventually just train that muscle to stop reacting the way it does, and you can learn how to control it. And just keep working with each gag reflex until you can get the... uh, the hanger all the way down because with the hanger you're only teasing the gag reflex with just that little round part of the hanger and then once it passes through that section you're no longer gagging until you get to the next gag reflex and with with glass walking you know there's a way to do everything i mean it's, there's no tricks to doing anything we do we're not magicians um, and uh, we're not illusionists either um everything uh, the, the greatest thing about sideshow is everything that we do is real and it's it's all the crazy things you can do with the human anatomy and it's training and it's, it's essentially mind over matter and you have to yourself to, to that point and you train your brain and you train your body to do certain things that it's not used to doing and um and then and then learn how to do those types of skills um and no matter what we still get hurt um we have a saying, it's thrills, chills, and sometimes doctor builds. And, um, you know, the thing is that really sucks for us. Um, uh, we don't have health insurance. because Nobody's going to give us health insurance. And uh, like right now, if, uh, if, uh, if we were on a camera, I could show you the inside of my mouth. The inside of my mouth, I've got first-degree burns all on the inside of my cheeks um, just from fire eating alone. And... Um, you can look on my Facebook. Uh, you can the easiest way to find it is either Bryce Gray, B R Y C E G R A V E S, or you can just go to thegovna.com, G O V N A, and uh, it'll take you to my Facebook page. You can scroll down and see some pictures. Just a few nights ago, I think we were in Rock Hill, South Carolina, I think, and I was eating some glass, and I, I just cut a big shred of tongue. <laughs> right right off just with glass in the middle of the show and my mouth is bleeding and I open my mouth I'm like see it is real and it's just bleeding blood and we try not to we try not to hurt ourselves and we try not to you know our, our job is to entertain the crowd I mean the way hell's a is I don't have it structured to where we're, it's our job to gross them out that's not what we're trying to do but you know sometimes you just have to go with it and but yeah I cut a big shred of, of tongue uh, right out of my mouth just from eating glass and it was just it, it, even there's even with skeptics I had a girl that came up afterwards she goes was that real glass and I'm like look at my tongue I have a huge chunk out of it of course it's real <laughs> because I'll chew it up and then I'll eat it and um, you know uh, there's there's just there's ways of doing everything and there, there's about a 10% margin of error and no matter what I mean we do get hurt and um uh, especially with sword swallowing, it's the most dangerous stunt in the side business because if you puncture the inside of your stomach, there's all sorts of things in there um, that you can really hurt on um, from the moment you stick it into your esophagus until it goes down in your stomach. And if you don't know how long your stomach is and how long your esophagus is, you know, you're, you're definitely to kill yourself doing it. And um, we've had many friends that ended up in the hospital in this business that had to have the stomach lining and allowing toxins to come into place not supposed to be. And so, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a very dangerous business. But we've 
learned how to um, we've learned these skills, mastered them, and then and then add some entertainment behind. Well, that sounds absolutely incredible. Once more yeah. for the listeners, that's Hell's a Poppin', and it's tomorrow at the Poorhouse. And what time is it? You know what? Uh, the doors are at eight. They they have it. The showtime is at nine. I think it'll be between nine and nine thirty. It's an early show because it's a Wednesday, so you definitely want to get there early to get your seats. Um, but yeah, it's at House this Wednesday night, March twenty seventh. Doors at eight o'clock. Show is at nine p.m. And that's uh, the Hell's a Poppin' Circus Sideshow Review, a live, up close person. Bryce, thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. And if you're looking for a little bit of alternative entertainment tomorrow, uh, tomorrow night, that's 8 p.m. at the Poor House. It's a story maybe not many are familiar with. However, last year, UNC physics professor Paul Frampton was sentenced to four years of house arrest for attempting to smuggle drugs through Argentina. Here's DeAndre with more. The mystery involving the esteemed American college professor, the South American gangsters, the drug deal, and the beautiful bikini model. It is quite a yarn, and ABC's Mark Greenblatt is here with more. Good morning, sir. Good morning to you. He's an acclaimed Oxford-educated scientist, actually, who's saying that he just wanted to find love, but he apparently left his brains at home when he boarded a plane for Bolivia, believing that he was about to rendezvous with a famous bikini model. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the story of Paul Frampton, an esteemed University of Chapel Hill professor who had been teaching there for about 30 years. It all started in November of 2011 when Frampton met Denise Milani, a popular Czech bikini model, on a popular website. Or so he thought. They talked online every day for a few months. However, Milani always seemed to decline speaking on the phone for some reason or another. By January 2012, Frampton was on a plane to Bolivia in hopes of meeting up with his future wife. The man was 68 years old at the time and was specifically seeking a woman that would still be able to bear him children. The first sign of something being up? The fact that the ticket that Milani had sent Frampton for the plane turned out to be invalid. This led to Paul being stuck in the airport all day. By the time he had finally gotten to La Paz, Bolivia, the supermodel claimed to have already had to move on to her next photo shoot, but offered Frampton a ticket to Brussels where hopefully they would finally meet. The only requirement being that he took a suitcase to her that she happened to accidentally leave behind. It goes without saying that Frampton was confused when he was handed an empty black suitcase by a large Hispanic male after dark in front of his Bolivian hotel. However, when Milani explained that the case was for sentimental value, he accepted its presence and used it for his own luggage. Frampton's friend, a physicist and lawyer who lives in Ontario named John Dixon, ironically became alarmed when Paul told him of his doings. Dixon said, quote, well, inside that suitcase sewn into the lining will be cocaine. You are in big trouble, unquote. Regardless, Frampton moved to Argentina on a step towards Brussels. Bag in which police found four pounds of cocaine. He has a high IQ, well known, very distinguished with the field of physics and other scientific uh, uh, areas. But uh, when it comes to common sense, uh, he scored a zero. An Argentinian court sent Finally, after 15 days abroad with little movement towards the woman of his dreams, Frampton decided that it was time to go home. The man tried to board a plane back to North Carolina, but however was apprehended by police after almost 2,000 grams of cocaine was found in the case. 
This led to eight months in Devoto, an Argentinian prison in which Paul stayed in a cell with almost 80 other prisoners accused of similar charges. Now, he was living with people who were not only well-versed in the intricacies of the drug trade, but regular users of marijuana and cocaine. The pavilion was often illuminated at night by little flames held under spoons as inmates cooked Paco, a cocaine paste similar to crack that is often made with kerosene and sulfuric acid. While most find sympathy for Frampton, there is another side of the story. Amongst his trial, there were text messages dug up from his confiscated phone. They said things like, quote, was worried only about sniffer dogs, quote, and, quote, Monday arrival changed. You must not tell the coca goons. These text messages were all sent to the woman who he thought was Denise Milani. Perhaps the most alarming of all of these was this one. It read in all capital letters, why are you ignoring me? At this last moment, we did not decide how to meet tomorrow in Brussels and keep coca and lives. At Siru, we may lose both, unquote. Although Frampton claimed that the messages were all jokes, the Argentinian court did not believe it. He was sentenced to four years and eight months' time and is serving on house arrest in Argentina. And I suppose that my purpose in telling you all this, aside from the entertainment value, of course, is to once again stretch the importance of being safe online. You never know who it is exactly that you are talking to, so be careful out there, Wolfpack. For I am the Triangle, this has been DeAndre Jones. pretty crazy story there deandre oh yeah oh yeah um it was just really interesting like the more i read about it um if you guys want to read more about it there's an article on the uh, new york times website about it so it was just a really really crazy thing to read about and the article is about three to four pages long just straight text it sounds like a movie or yeah it's it literally it's it felt like i was reading a movie script but this actually happened and this guy um i mean paul frampton like he's a really he just he's like a really really eccentric person and the author of the article actually describes him as a wacky scientist at many points and it's just it's just like the whole thing you don't know whether to think it's a conspiracy or to, or if he's actually like really peddling cocaine or if he was or if he did know about the cocaine but he was just doing it to marry this woman there's i mean there's a lot of angles that you can go at it but regardless the argentinian government found him guilty I guess he's a true mad scientist then. Right here, you in, in the triangle. Wow. It's, yeah. A little bit, well, not anymore. But well, not anymore. But he'll he be, used to be. He'll be gone for a while. He'll be back in uh, May 2014. <laughs> All right. Well, um, I see that you have another installment for us uh, with the latest Rush on of the Week. Of course. All right. Sci-Fi makes the greatest films. Can we just agree on that? Actually, their movies are notoriously awful, and that is why people love them. Mega Piranha is a film in the same class as other classics like Mega Shark vs. Giant Octopus and Mega Python vs. Gatoroid. And I am a huge fan of these kinds of stinkers, and when I saw this film on Netflix, I just couldn't pass up the chance. Released in 2010, Mega Piranha chronicles a tale of a Navy SEAL and a group of scientists in their quest to save the world from a hungry group of gigantic piranhas that are bent on eating everything in sight. This time we begin in South America, where American scientists have created a new species of self-reproducing, continuously hungry piranhas that double in size every 24 hours. 
Not surprisingly, this experiment goes horribly wrong. And when the American ambassador to Venezuela is gobbled up, Special Agent Jason Fitch is sent to investigate the ambassador's disappearance. Working with the Venezuelan military, it soon becomes obvious what happens to the ambassador. The question now becomes how to stop an ever-growing herd of piranhas from taking over the world. Now, besides the general silliness of the plot, the campiness of the acting, and the absolutely spectacular special effects that sci-fi movies are known for, this flick sets a new standard for continuity holes and low production value. It's pretty well known that if you take any of these movies seriously, they will insult your intelligence. It's a given that you need to approach these films with a bit of a raised eyebrow and an ironic sense of humor. But even while watching this movie, I couldn't help but pick up on some of the inconsistencies that I really couldn't believe. Of course, this movie is supposed to be awful, and that's the fun in watching it. But some things I picked up on that make you question it and say, come on now. And not major things either, just little things they try to pass off. Los Angeles for Washington, D.C., hoping nobody will notice. Cars change mid-chase, like one second Jason Fitch is driving a Suburban and the next moment he's driving an Explorer, which makes me do a double-take and question, did they really think that was unnoticeable? Were they trying to be sneaky? Or maybe it's all part of the giant joke that makes up this hour-and-a-half-long cringe fest. I don't know. And it's not even that important. Those are just things that I picked up on and just couldn't help rolling my eyes at. And as far as sci-fi movies go, this one isn't spectacular. I mean, it has all of the usual flubs one could expect, but really the plot sticks pretty closely to the formula Asylum Films has for monster movies. And that certainly isn't a bad thing. I mean, the formula's good. It's awful, but it's good. But just because it's good doesn't mean it's fresh. For On the Triangle, I'm Jay Langlois. And I apologize, that obviously was not a restaurant review. Um, that was my review of Mega Piranha. These things do happen. Um, so, DeAndre, let's go ahead and listen to your restaurant review. What did you review this week? Uh, sushi Blues. All right, then, let's find out. This week, I have another awesome eating establishment that every sushi lover should check out. Conveniently located on Gledwind Avenue, Sushi Blues is easily accessible by car or city bus. After going to this restaurant for my first night of sushi, I was absolutely astonished by the comfortable vibe I got there. There were two seating areas, the main dining area and the bar area. My party sat in the bar area for a more intimate setting, which I greatly enjoyed. However, larger parties will definitely enjoy the modern decoration of the inside and outside dining areas. The vibe of this place is definitely early 90s jazz and rap pack with a modern twist and a good bit of their specialty roles are even named after early jazz figures such as Johnny Coltrane. The service is great and friendly and the food is quality and I was very satisfied with the buy one roll, get one roll policy that they employ. A great way to save money on a really classy dish. Their specialty rolls are very creative and very customizable which I enjoyed quite a bit. For a fresh quality sushi roll, I would definitely recommend Sushi Blues as your first local choice. Thank you, guys, and this has been my Restaurant Pick of the Week. So, as per usual, um, there's always something out there to be celebrating. Is that correct, DeAndre? Oh, of course. Of course. Uh, So, today is Make Your Own Holiday Day, and it's almost like if you've ever played um, uh, board games, it's almost like the card that's like, make your own card or choose your it's like a choose your own adventure book so you could uh celebrate anything you want so what are you celebrating today oh god i actually surprisingly enough i didn't prepare an answer for this question um i'll celebrate slushies today. i have an answer actually Jake. okay let's uh, hear thank it. you for asking um <laughs> the holiday that i think i would create would be of course jasmine's day where jasmine's we would just day. celebrate jasmine all day you yeah. should go so. eat at uh jasmine's, jasmine's after this yeah basically yeah. all right okay what about you andrew 
Uh, I would do like a second Arbor Day or something. That is so boring. (laughs) (laughs) Andrew with the most boring answer in the world. All right, so March 28th is going to be something on a stick day. March 28th is what? uh, Thursday? Yeah, it's going to be Thursday, and it's going to be a... um, a day where you celebrate like foods and things like that on a stick, so like corn dogs or we have a lot of those in the south, right? Food on a stick, it's a very yeah. I'm, I'm sure you can get like fried Jasmine's butter laughing. on a stick. I'm sorry, or something. Um, yeah, the Chinese restaurants. There's like that random chicken on a Korean stick. barbecue. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Do it. So everything tastes better off of a stick. Um, <laughs> that Friday, uh, we have National Mom and Pop Business Owners Day. Okay, small um, businesses. Celebrate small business owners. Uh, Individuals that spend countless hours uh, nurturing and growing their young enterprises. Mm-hmm. So, so it's a worthy endeavor. Oh, yeah. Oh, small yeah, business definitely. owner. Um, so, yeah, you know, support your local small business, especially here in Raleigh. Very fast-growing area in the Triangle. So, you know, go ahead and uh, go out and support those guys. Saturday is National Doctors' Day. Very uh, self-explanatory, you know. Okay. Appreciate yeah. doctors because, you know, they save lives and whatnot. Of course. Um, Sunday is Bunsen Burner Day. Bunsen. I know such, such great, exciting holidays we have this week. But uh, That's not the one I expected you were yeah. going to say. <laughs> are you forgetting one or are you just omitting it? Are you talking about... Yes. Easter. It's Easter. Sunday's Easter. Easter. Come on. Okay. Holidays of the week. Um, Easter. <laughs> okay. Well, I thought that we were doing holidays that... Well, okay. Were, I mean, yeah, but, you know, a holiday's a holiday, right? Okay, okay, so fine. it's Easter and Bunsen Burner Day. Okay, it's, it's Bun- Sunday's but Bunsen, Bunsen Burner, Burner Day. Is, celebrating one of those, but <laughs> and it's and it's not Bunsen Burner Day. <laughs> you choose, but you Bunsen Burner Day always falls on March thirty first because that's the birthday of its creator. Okay, and so Easter you think it should take always should it take fall. precedence over Easter? I mean, it seems like that's what DeAndre's saying. I feel like DeAndre you're back. I feel like you're backing me in a corner right now. I don't feel like it's I'm just fair. asking your opinion. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, I'm saying that I will be thinking about Bunsen burners, Bunsen burners, and mm. Easter. Okay. okay. <laughs> but I was gonna say Easter and Bunsen burners, but you put the words in my mouth and okay. made it seem like I'm a big. Okay, so um, <laughs> so moving on. <laughs> Uh, April 1st, of course, since you want me to say the Cosmopolitan ones too, is April Fool's Day. Mm-hmm. And Have Fun at Work Day internationally. Really? Mm-hmm. April yeah. Fool's Day and Have Fun at Work Day are on the same day. Which, look at that. Uh, Interesting. And I think that people should really follow the model that we have here at WKNC because I think we have a pretty we, good... We try. Yeah. We try. Know, preparation, but we have fun at the same time, as you can, as you guys can surely tell on the, uh, on the air. So Tuesday... It's going to be Reconciliation Day. Now, what is that? Um, This is a day that you want to patch up a relationship, make amends, say you're sorry, forgive, that sort of thing. Really? Uh, Yeah. Do you guys have anyone in mind? Mm, I mean, Andrew, DeAndre, do you have anything to say to me? That's been treating me mean lately. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> no I, I accept. I accept. Wait, wait until Tuesday. I They're, planning something. They're planning something yeah, big. Yeah, it's not Tuesday them. yet. And I wouldn't expect it on Tuesday either, but oh, it's okay. a it's a stronger chance on Tuesday than it would be on a on a regular day. One and that's all we got. All right. Um, also, don't forget uh, classes end tomorrow, um, Thursday and Friday. We will be out of classes for Easter break, so just go ahead and keep that in mind. 
And that about wraps up all we've got for you this week. A big thanks to Gene uh, Zernov, Jasmine Shepard, and Andrew Eichen for their contributions. From all of us here at Iron the Triangle, we thank you for tuning in. We'd also like to thank Matthew Williams and Bryce Graves for taking the time to speak with us today. And as always, if you heard anything you liked, you hated, or anything that just made you think, let us know on our Facebook page. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter at WKNC underscore EOT. And a quick also- reminder. And a quick reminder to anybody that hasn't voted yet, you have until noon tomorrow, and you can vote at vote.ncsu.edu. Until next week. Good night.